invite you to join me in Hebrews. If you're not there already, Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 13. let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we do rejoice that we are held fast in Christ. We rejoice in the reality that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in that reality because we know our hearts. We know how prone we are to wonder how prone we are to apathy. And if salvation were up to us, if we had any role whatsoever, there was no way that we could cling to Christ. But we rejoice for Christ clings to us. Heavenly Father, we pray that even this morning as we look at this passage, may we be encouraged to persevere to strive forth in the faith because of our God, because of you, because in Christ we are held fast. pray that you'd be honored in all that is said and done in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you aware that in the first 20 attempts to send rockets into space, NASA failed 20 times. Did you know that the New York Times best-selling book, The Four-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, was rejected by 25 publishers before finally being accepted? Similarly, Dr. Seuss's first book was rejected by 27 publishers before he finally found someone to publish it. Did you know that Vincent van Gogh only sold one painting during his entire lifetime? Yet he kept painting. Michael Jordan was famously cut from his high school basketball team because he was not good enough. Before going on to become one of the most iconic basketball players in history. Henry Ford's early business ventures failed miserably. He ended up completely broke on five different occasions before founding the Ford Motor Company. Walt Disney also failed in several early business ventures, and he was forced to declare bankruptcy. In fact, at one point, early on, Walt Disney was fired from a, new, from a newspaper for lacking creativity. In each one of these stories, there is crippling failure. Time and time again. And yet what stands out is not their failure, but their ultimate success because of persistence. They never gave up. They pushed through those hard times. And if you're like me, stories like these, they kind of grab your attention and they kick you in the pants. They tell you, get up and keep going. Strive forth. We 
We tend to give up far too easily. We constantly need the reminder to keep on keeping on. Don't give in. Don't give up. Get up again. We are all well aware how easy it is to slide into apathy. To simply throw in the towel and to give up. In fact, maybe even this last week, the productive plans that you had for your week on Sunday night were long gone by Tuesday afternoon. If you're like me, that's your typical week. This morning, the author of Hebrews, like these motivational stories of success, is pleading for you to get up and to persevere in the faith. Don't give in. Don't slow down. Don't become apathetic. Don't get distracted looking to the left or to the right. Stay focused. If you are going to persevere anywhere and in anything, persevere in what really matters. Persevere in the faith. Strive to persevere in your Christian life and to be found faithful to God. That's the direction that the author of Hebrews is taking us this morning as we look at Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 13. As we work our way through this passage, we'll see God's remaining promise, God's remaining rest, and God's remaining word. First thing we see in the first five verses is God's remaining promise. God's promise that still remains. Therefore, the author of Hebrews starts here in verse 1, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Therefore, since a promise remains. That word therefore tells us that this passage is intimately connected to the end of chapter 3 that we were in last week. Chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. The subject here is still faith and it is still God's promised rest as we were introduced to last week. But he's coming at it from kind of a different perspective. Last week in chapter 3, verses 7 to 9, it's mainly warning against unbelief. Whereas this week in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it's mainly a call to be sure to believe. Because this promise still remains, since a promise remains of entering his rest. I think here we need to pause on that word rest. We need to be reminded of what do we mean of rest. Well, looking back to last week in chapter 3, verses 7 to 19, you may recall rest was in the context of this wilderness generation. And what happened to this wilderness generation? They're put forth as an example of unbelief, right? They did not obtain the rest that God had promised. And what was that rest? It was the rest in the land, right? God had made them a promise. I will deliver you. I will give you this land. I will lead you across the Jordan. I will deliver Canaan into your hands. And yet they failed to take hold of that promise. They failed to obtain that rest. It's a rest in the land. When your enemies are gone and you have taken possession of all that God has promised. They failed to take hold of that rest because they failed to trust God. They did not believe him. 
But rest, as we'll see this morning in this passage, and it was hinted at last week, has a bigger meaning. It's not just the rest that was promised to them in the land, because even that rest, as we'll see this morning in this passage, pointed to a better rest from a better Savior. It's as if we're zooming out, and no longer are we just talking about this rest in the land. We're not just talking about God's fulfillment of his promises to Israel. We're talking about all of God's promises to his people, to the church. God's promises to you and to me. God will fulfill all of those. His promise to enter that rest is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, the completion of all of God's promises in Jesus Christ. And that promise is still available. Since the promise remains for entering his rest, God is still faithful and his promises still stand. That promise remains. It is not too late. And that's really the focus of this passage. It's the direction that the author of Hebrews is going to go this morning. It's not too late. And because it's not too late, you must focus You must follow. You must strive to obtain that rest that they failed to obtain because of their unbelief. So therefore, because this promise still remains, this promise of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Fear, lest you have come short of it. Here the word fear is used as Motivation. There's bad fear. But this is a good fear. It's a fear that motivates us to faithfulness. This is like the fear that motivates a soldier to check his gear over and over and over again before he goes out on a mission. That's a good fear. That's a healthy fear. He wants to make sure that he has everything so that he does not be caught, so that he is not caught short where he does not have something he needs. Similarly, it's the same fear that motivates a a mountain climber to check his gear over and over again. Why? Because he does not want to get caught halfway up that mountain having found out that he packed short. It is a fear that motivates faithfulness. It is a fear of not obtaining all that God has promised. Not because God is not faithful, but because I didn't believe. Because I came up short, not God. Notice that's the focus of verse 1. Lest the fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Not, Not lest God seems to have come short of it. You know, fear that that maybe God will, will go back on his word. Maybe God won't be able to fulfill his word. That's not what it says. It says, fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. It goes on in verse 2 and 3 and, and following to give this generation, this this generation in the wilderness that failed to trust God, that failed to go into land, he gives them as an example. Because they did fall short of it. For indeed, the gospel is preached to us 
as well as to them. Them here is that generation that we saw last week that failed to enter the land and to obtain God's rest. They failed because they did not believe. It's not because they didn't have the information. That's what he says here. The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. They knew. God told them, I will give you this land. I will lead you across the Jordan. I will lead these armies out ahead of you. I will give you this land. They knew the promise. But they failed to take hold of it because they fell short in their faith. They did not believe. They had the gospel. It was preached to them. To us, as well as to them. But the word which they heard, it did not profit them. They heard the gospel, the good news, this promise by God, but they failed. And it did not profit them. Why did it not profit them? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, it's not enough to merely hear the good news. It's not enough to just mentally know that I am a sinner, right? I, I know myself. If I'm honest with myself, I know that I fall short. I know that I'm a bad person if I'm honest with myself. It's not enough to just acknowledge that. It's not enough to just mentally know that Jesus is God who died on the cross for my sins. It's not enough to just know that God has made promises to me. Don't just hear it. Believe it. Take hold of it and act on it. There's no benefit to merely hearing the gospel. All the benefits of the gospel are yours by faith. Not by hearing not by just hearing it, but by hearing and then accepting it by faith. See, that was their problem. They heard what God promised. They heard it. The problem is not that they didn't hear it. The problem was not that their knowledge fell short. God gave them all that they need. The, promise is the, the problem is they did not believe it. They did not mix what they heard with what they believed. But that doesn't mean that God failed. In fact, that's what he says in verse 3. They failed because they did not mix what they heard with faith. For we who have believed, do enter that rest. They failed because they failed to believe. But if you do believe, you still can enter that rest. It is not too late. Do enter that. It's a guarantee. God's promise still stands today. Those who believe will obtain it because God is faithful. Again, as this verse goes on, this generation is still put forth as an example. They failed to believe. If you believe, you will enter that rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So I swore in my wrath. It is final, it is definite. 
The wilderness generation's failure was not God's failure to deliver his promise. It is not that God's rest was somehow not yet available. They did not obtain God's promised rest because of their failure to believe God's promise. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. This world, this rest has been available. It's not that the rest wasn't available. They failed to believe. Their failure to enter that rest and obtain God's promises is a vivid example of the cost of unbelief and a warning to the present generation. Believe God. Learn from the past. Look at this generation that didn't believe. And because they didn't believe, they didn't obtain what God promised. But God is faithful. And if you will believe, you will obtain what God has promised. Verse 4 and 5. The author here ties the idea of rest to the Sabbath rest of God in Genesis 2.2. For he, God, has spoken in a certain place, Genesis 2-2, of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. So here you have these two ideas put together. God resting on Genesis 2, in Genesis 2, and them not entering God's rest here in Psalm 95, and as we see here in Hebrews 4. The illustration is one of completion. When God rested on the seventh day, it does not mean that he stopped everything and stepped away completely. It merely means that he completed the work of creation and was satisfied. He was done. He entered a rest. He was able to enjoy his work. But we know the story, do we not? Adam and Eve failed to believe God. And in their failure to believe God, in them, all of mankind are disqualified from participating and enjoying God's rest with God. Yet God, in his great love, provided a way for man to be saved and to enter into that rest. And yet, like Adam and Eve, this wilderness generation is put forth as another generation that failed to believe God. And they did not enter this rest because of their unbelief. The author of Hebrews is pleading with you to see the failure is not God's. God is faithful. His rest is promised. His promises are sure. Believe him. Believe him. The problem is not that God failed Adam and Eve. They failed to believe. The problem is not that God failed this generation in the wilderness. They failed to believe. But God is faithful. So here in these first five verses, we see that God's promise still remains. And it's a warning to us. Do not make the same mistake. Believe God. Believe him. It's not just enough to know the promise. It's not just enough to know what God has said. You must believe it. 
You must accept it. And to believe and to accept it, it's going to radically change your life. Believe what God has said. Secondly, verse 6 to 11, God's remaining rest. He carries on this idea of this rest. This promise that remains is the promise of entering this rest. Since therefore, it remains that some must enter it. That's, that's good news for us. God's rest is still not closed. We can still enter this rest with God. It remains that some must enter it. God is not done. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, notice, every time he mentions that they did not enter it, he mentions that it's because they failed to obey. It's because they failed to believe. It is their failure, not God's. So again, he designates a day saying in David, today, after such a long time, it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Once again, the author of Hebrews returns to Psalm 95, this passage he's kind of been resting on in here. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The point that he's making here is, look, God's rest was available to this wilderness generation. They failed to obtain it. But that did not close off God's rest. Because look here, David, all these generations later, that rest is still available to David. Today, if you will hear his voice. Even after the generation led by Joshua did enter the land of Canaan, and they did obtain that rest, the rest was still available to David. God was not done yet. In fact, in verses 8 and 9, it goes to this generation of Joshua, the generation following the generation that failed to enter the land, the generation under Joshua who did enter the land. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. You see, following this wilderness generation that failed to enter the land, this generation that's put forth as an example of unbelief, you have the generation that came under Joshua. And they did believe. In fact, just a few, uh, several months ago, we went through the book of Joshua and we saw as they went across the Jordan into the land, we saw as they conquered, as walls fell down and armies were crushed, we saw as they took possession of the land that God has given them, as they divided that land as a testimony of their faithful God. And in Joshua 21, 43 to 45, Joshua speaks of this rest. And yet Joshua, even in that passage, is looking forward to a better rest. God has given us the land. God has fulfilled his promise. And God's not done yet. There's an even greater promise. It's not just the land. There's an even greater promise that we look forward to. The author of Hebrews here picks up on that passage in Joshua 21. If Joshua had given them rest, then he would, have, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. If that had been the end, and God was done, that would have been it. But that's not it. 
Because there's another rest. That, that rest that is spoken of in da- by David in Psalm 95. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. In fact, this is kind of the whole point of this passage. The author of Hebrews wants you to see that God's salvation is still available. His rest, all of these promises in Christ, they are still available to you. It is not too late. And so don't miss it. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from the works as God did from his. Our promised rest in Christ is not a rest on this earth where we will still toil away. It is an eternal rest in the very presence of God when all of his promises are fulfilled. Because God is still faithful, his rest is still available. His promise remains, his rest remains. Now as you come to verses 11, uh, or in verse 11, I'm sorry, he keeps going, let us therefore, so this is the application that he's giving here. Right? If this is true, if this rest is still available and God's promise still stands, God is still faithful, if this is true, then how should we respond to that? Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us be diligent. Now, in the present, not in the future, right now, be diligent, be faithful today. You can't hope to benefit from God's promises in the future if you are not clinging to God's promises in the present. You might claim that you are saved, but what hope do you have if it doesn't impact your life in the present? If you say you believe it, but you don't see evidence of it, you need to be diligent to search your heart. If you say you believe it, and there is evidence in your life today, you need to be diligent to stay faithful. To not fall according to the same example of disobedience. Because remember, that generation that failed to enter the land, they started off very well. They looked good. They looked like they were believing God as they put the blood of the Lamb on their door, as they walked out of Egypt with riches, as they walked across the Red Sea. They looked good. They started off well. But they failed because they didn't believe. And so you, be diligent. Day in and day out, be diligent to be faithful, to take hold of this great salvation that is yours in Christ. Now you come to verse 12 to 13, God's remaining word. It's a well-known passage. A passage we go back to often that speaks of the, the power of the word of God. For the word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is living. And it is powerful. And it is precise. 
And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. Really, the point of these two verses in the context here is one of judgment. The reality is that the word of God will reveal your heart. That God knows your heart. The focus here is on the word's ability to judge and to discern those who believe and don't. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm growing in Christ. I feel like I, I claim to be a believer and I see evidence in my life, but how do I know? Verse 12 and 13 says, you go to the word of God. You let the word of God discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Maybe you say, well, I, you know, I think I believe, but you know, as I look at my life, I'm honest, maybe I don't see evidence. How do I know? You go to the word of God and let the spirit work through the word and he will divide. He will precise, work precisely, powerfully. The word of God is always at work. The word of God doesn't lie. Go to the word of God. Don't look at your own actions. Our actions can lie, right? We know ourselves. We can put on a, a face. We can pretend we can look good to others. Maybe we can even trick ourselves into thinking, man, I, I'm good. But the whole point of this passage is it doesn't matter if you're good. It matters if you've believed The message of the author of Hebrews is not that you strive to be worthy or to earn salvation, but simply that you strive to be sure that you are ready. Strive to be sure that you have believed, that you have really taken hold of this salvation that God has promised. Strive to be faithful day in and day out, for your God is faithful. I think we understand this language of striving, this language of perseverance. We see it. Maybe you're one of those people who, when a trip is coming up, you do everything you can to make sure that you're ready to go for the trip. You start the week ahead, you get the car checked. You review your itinerary daily, making changes here and there. You pack early. You repack. It reminds me of a story when we were in high school. We were going on a mission trip, and there was a kid who was really excited about this mission trip. And this kid was one of those who was very prepared for things. His name was Ma his last name was Mallory, and uh, Mallory—that's what we always called him. Maori was so excited for this trip, and, and he, he got way, work way ahead. So the week before we left, he was fully packed on Thursday before we left. The week before the week we left. And so for the rest of high school, that was a joke. In the middle of, of Sunday school, someone would raise their hand to answer a question, and the teacher would call on him, and they'd go, 
Maori packed on Thursday. And everyone would laugh. It was just, it was a joke. Maori packed on Thursday. He was, he was so excited to go on this trip that he strove to make sure he was ready. He was packed way in advance. There was no way that he was not going to be ready. He was not going to forget anything. Brothers and sisters, check and recheck your heart. Start today. And every day, sit down and open the word of God and check your heart. And be honest with yourself. Do not fall short because you failed to be faithful, because you failed to believe. Check your heart. Be honest with yourself. Do you really believe? Not just do you look good. Do you believe? Has your faith impacted your life? What hope do you have? Believe the word of God. Cling to the word of God. Be faithful. Strive to be faithful. Because God is faithful. And his promises still stand.